<laughs> I'm kidding. I preached this sermon, and I'm not going to lie, I thought it was boring. So, but the thing is, is I realize that it's not fully boring. The problem is Romans 15 and 16, which is what I'm looking at, is a lot of Paul closing down his arguments, a lot of Paul closing down the discussion. He's like, oh, well, these people are really nice and those people are not cool. And, and he's just closing down everything. He's, we've gone through, since January 1st, we've gone through the book of Romans, and, and, it's, and it's good. And so I preached it, and I said, oh, it's boring. And then, and then some, of, some people, I, I video my sermons before, because if I didn't, then, then they'd be really, really raw and unrefined. So I videoed them before, and some people look at them, and they were like, oh, that's one of the best sermons of 2023. So you guys judge. Um, <laughs> We will see what God speaks to us and through us in his word today, because that's why we're here to listen. We're here to hear what God wants to say through his word. So I'm going to read two chunks of Romans, Romans 15, 1 to 7, and Romans 16, 17 to 20. And there is some uh, challenge in this, because, because one says do one thing, and the other one says do the other. One of them, one of them kind of leans towards being an inclusive, welcoming community, and the other one seems to be like, nope, avoid people. Avoid a certain type of people. And so this is a question that's really, really important for us as a church community to wrap our heads around. Like, are we going to be inclusive or are we going to avoid people? What, what are we going to do? Because these passages, well, we'll see. Um, here we go. Here's the passages, Romans 15, 1 to 7. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of Scripture we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accordance with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Romans 16, 17 to 20, next chapter. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not even serve our Lord Christ, but they serve their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. So here is our slack question, our first slack question today is, what do you do when the Bible in one chapter says, welcome one another, and in the other chapter, it says, avoid them. What are you going to do with this? What, what are you going to do with this tension between we're a welcoming community and we 
want to avoid certain people. Um, We're going to look at the difference between these verses and discover what Paul is saying to us under the influence of the Holy Spirit. The reason I put these two together is because we've studied Romans together. We've heard the tone of the lecture. If you've missed some, you can go on to um, our our, uh, YouTube channel and pick up the previous sermons so that you can put it all together. But this is about the Lord. The book of Romans is about Jesus being Lord of the nations. And because he's Lord of the nations... I'm included. It's not just Jesus, Lord of one people group, the Jews. It's Jesus, Lord of all nations. The Greek word for nation is ethnos, ethnicities. He is Lord of all ethnicities. And uh, and so this is the message of the whole book of Romans. So I'm included. God's kingdom is better than any kingdom set up any, any governmental structure, any economic system, any kingdom set up, God's option is better. And so this is, this is where we're going, and his influence in us will make us, uh, will bring us to peace. So what do we do when the Bible in one passage says, welcome one another, And the next passage, it says, avoid certain people. And and this is is really a a challenging question for somebody brought in right now. uh, It depends on if you're an introvert or an extrovert. Um, Well, that's that's true. That's uh, that's something that's important. Um, Some of it, it says, I think... I think this, is, this more speaks to being a community showing love to all, but be careful to not be taken advantage of. Interesting. Love all, but don't let that be abused and led away from God's path. Focus on what God asks of, of you as he is the center and the focus of the church, not those around you. Interesting. Somebody said, who are we talking about in this chapter? Are we talking about Christians? What's going on? I think the response is different based on who we're referring to. And and I think that's a really insightful question there. Because sometimes when we read the scripture, we actually just read it and be like, oh, well, every that, all of the scripture is written to me. If you're reading the Bible, my hermeneutics professor taught me this. If you find yourself reading the Bible using your version, using a digital app, using a physical Bible, you find yourself reading the Bible, I want you to understand one thing. The Bible was not written to you. It wasn't written to you. The, the people it was written to are a specific people. It wasn't written to you, but it was written for your benefit. It's not written to you, it's written for your benefit. That God reveals himself through the works, through his word, through the scripture. He speaks to you, but the Bible itself wasn't written to you. We actually have to ask, who is it written to? And that is an important distinction piece that we're going to get into today. You could say that parts of this sermon was, was influenced by a post on Slack in our first week of Romans where someone in the church asked a question about this exact verse. And I think we can take a look at it deeper. This verse is, uh, is, is in Romans 15, 1 and 2. So in the context of this verse, we want, to be, um, we want to talk about these two very different approaches and how to deal with people 
Romans 15 is a passage very typically talking about the way of a Christian living, a person who's living like a Christian. It's gracious, it's open to others, it's servant-based, it's loving. All the things that Paul has been encouraging, it's all there in, in Romans 15. And with a desire to make the Christians serve one another and welcome one another. I grant you, you to live in such harmony with one another. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for this unity of people to say, yes, come together, live together, be together. I want you to be in harmony. And a couple things I want to highlight here. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Last week we talked about being weak, what types of food you eat. Um, Big Mac is not love is a quote from last week's sermon. But it's also not sin. It's not starkly sin. Um, and so there are people that are like, oh, well, I can't eat a Big Mac. But to bear with that, then I'm not going to go and I'm not going to have two Big Macs and be like, ah, and, and tempt them. Um, that was one of the, one of the things. So we there is a responsibility for those who are established in the faith to bear with the failings of the weak. In the context of chapter 14, we're discussing that was kosher food. But now, it, it's how to live in harmony with people who draw more strict lines than our Christian freedom permits. Think about this. There are people in, in this church even that would suggest that we don't go far enough in our liturgical observance of the calendar. It's Palm Sunday this week, and we didn't do anything Palm Sunday. And so, so some people would say, like, oh, well, you're lesser of a church because you didn't follow the liturgical calendar. Well, for us, we're saying, no, we're, we're actually going to allow for that freedom. But for some people, that might actually offend them and be a challenge for them. And so I apologize for that. But the value is to allow people to come to their strength and understanding of the influence of the kingdom of God as the lordship of Jesus. It's so easy to just please ourselves. It's so easy for me as a pastor to be like, oh, well, we're going to do things that are just going to work for Promise Church. We're the best church around. Bam, here we are. And that just makes us feel like we're good and we're just pleasing ourselves and we're just, we're just wonderful people. Look at how great we are. We do everything way better than all the other people. Right? So, someone just asked me, why do we talk about food so close to lunchtime? You know, it's, it, there, there's a suffering there, I, I agree. Um, and, and so, someone else said, you know that saying where, where people take on the mannerisms of others around them? I think that's part of it. What God is doing for one person, he's not doing for others. Everyone has a different path. I think it's avoidance of those mannerisms that are not you. If it doesn't mean that we need to avoid those people, we need to love them. And I think there's something that's really interesting about that. As God calls us together, there are mannerisms. There are different ways that we are engaging with what God is doing. And it's, it's not on me to say, oh, well, you have to engage with God the way I engage with God. No, I'm here to help, and we're here to share our stories about how we're engaging with God together around the revelation of Jesus. And that's where our foundation is. Our uniting foundation is around the revelation of Jesus. So let each one of us please our neighbor for his, own, for his good and to build him up. 
When we think of our neighbors in this context, you guys automatically think of, and rightly so, you guys automatically think of the person that lives next to you, the person who's near you. We think of, of who is a neighbor to this person. When Jesus said the story of the, great, of, of, of the Good Samaritan, who is a neighbor to this person? Well, the one who cared for them. So we see neighbor as this like, okay, it's, it's the person outside the church, whatever. Okay, for Paul, in this context, remember, he's not writing to you. He's writing to the Roman church. The neighbor is actually the person in the church. He's actually talking about the person in the church, not your physical neighbor. It's notable that, that Paul uses neighbor in this verse different than Jesus did. Paul's neighbor is the Jews and the, and the Gentile converts. These are neighbors, people from different ethnicities coming together around the same Savior, and they are now neighbors. And Paul is saying, let us build our neighbors up for their own good, for their good. We're going to benefit them, and the reason that that's there is because there's, there's the danger of this, of this Gentile and Jewish divide. A danger of dividing based on their ethnicity, how they were born. And, and so Paul is addressing that in the end of his letter. He's like, no, no, no. You need to unite around what Jesus is doing. You need to bring that together. So I've heard this used in trying to promote lifestyle evangelism. And what I mean by that is people are saying that if you just are nice to your neighbor, no matter what they do to you, eventually your neighbor will know the truth of Jesus. Maybe. But it's not evangelism. That's called having integrity. You're a good person. Congratulations. You're a good person. You love Jesus. You're good to your neighbor. Not what this verse is talking about. This verse is actually talking about... Um, it's actually talking about us saying we are going to love each other inside the church community. We are going to welcome each other even if you are different than me. Even if the mannerisms is one thing but ethnicities is another one. Even if you're different, we are going to love each other. That is vital here coming out of this passage. Living with a servant's heart is not evangelism, it's integrity. When you think you're, you're, you're living, you know, oh, I'm just going to live such a nice, good Christian life, and everybody's going to ask me about Jesus, and then I'm just going to keep on living a nice Christian life, that's not evangelism. Actually, in a couple of months, we have a full series, two series, based on evangelism, and what that's going to look like, and how that looks like. Because, yes, you need to start with integrity, but it's not there. So, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live such a harmony with another in accordance with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify your God and Father, Jesus Christ. Living with harmony one another. Somebody on Slack says, I generally come down on the welcoming and acceptance, encouragement side of people and leave the avoidance agenda to those in authority. Interesting. So... This is, this is actually a piece where we're thinking about, okay, so, so how do I accept? Remember, this is, 15 is the acceptance piece. Paul sees, again, the importance of vitality of Christian community like this. Look around you. This community is important. This is valuable. We need to be a part of it. 
Paul sees that this is important. A huge part of living under the influence of Jesus, of Jesus is participation in unity with the community of believers. It's not an ideology that we just give assent to and, and can live our own lives with. It's actually part of the community. That's so valuable. Someone said, can't we just ignore the people we don't agree with? I wish. But we can't because bitterness comes from that. All of a sudden you're in a community and the person is just grating on you so you ignore them and then they happen to be in the same room as you and you're like, why are you in the same room as me? You go to another room. They're in the same room as you again. You're like, I'm not comfortable anymore. I'm trying to ignore you because you annoy the tar out of me. It doesn't work. There's actually, when that kind of stuff is going on, there's actually an important, an important piece of cr a crucial conversation. What is it about that person that's different that, that just irks you? How is it that you can hear and listen with understanding to say, I'm going to embrace this person the way that God has embraced me? How am I going to do that? Paul's point. Christians should serve and love one another despite our differences. Paul is pointing out that the people worship differently because they have different ethnicities, Gentile versus Jew. Thank you. Very welcoming. So God sees this important of our community, of our, of our community, and we live together. So here's the next question for you. Why are there so many divisions in the Christian church? If, it were, if we're supposed to just get along, if we're supposed to just be together and, and, and love each other, yet there's over 30,000, 30,000 denominations why are there so many divisions amongst Christians? And inside the church, why are we so divisive about this? This is a big deal. There's a new pastoral cuss word, apparently. It's tar. Um, <laughs> we want our kids to be friends with children who are kind and polite so that they don't fall into bad habits of their friends. Too late, maybe? Um, but how can we do that and also teach them to be good to the ones and show them the light of the good example for them? Hmm. Teaching by integrity. Really, really good answer to the question that, that you had there. It's, it's wonderful. Where we live in this world of, of this tension between the good and the evil of what's going on, and we're living in it, and, and we're wanting to teach our children. But why do so many divisions happen in the church? Romans 16, 17 said, watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacle contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. First note, it's not saying watch out for non-Christians. Second note, it's not saying watch out for people of different ethnicities. Strictly in the text, that's what, it's, that's what it's not saying. What it is saying is watch out for those among you that would say you can't be apart because you're not the same. 
Watch out for those people among you inside the church that would try to elevate themselves over another person. (laughs) I'm so good. Watch out for the Christian who will say that, that because that person hasn't conformed to this level of goodness, they can't be invited in. They can't come to our cool little promise group thingy. They're not good enough. Watch out for that crap. Call it out. Avoid them. It gets really clear in the Bible. It's like, avoid them. Somebody said, I can understand why people are even afraid to enter churches because they might see themselves as an outsider. And there's an element here where it's like, no. We need to be welcoming those who want to look to Christ. Someone else says we tend to judge people even though our hands are dirty. It's good. We cannot be so open that we accept things that go against our lordship of Jesus. And what goes against our lordship of Jesus is when we start to rank each other. That goes against the lordship of Jesus. Someone came to our church a year ago. Are you the type of pastor that's going to call out that people group because they're not good enough? Literally, the actual comment was, are you the type of pastor who's going to call out the LGBT community and tell them that they're terrible and tell them that they're sinning? Or do you not have the guts for that? Literally in this room, someone said that. And I said to that person, I'm the type of pastor who will not tolerate self-righteousness. I'm the type of pastor who will say that it is God who works inside of each one of us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. And it is God who is shaping us in the way that God sees fit to shape us. And when we accept the lordship of Jesus Christ, our life should be transformed and should be changed. Every single last one of us should have something that God is working on and making us look more like Jesus. That's what I care about. I care that we are a humble people that say, oh God, forgive me, a sinner. I have no space for self-righteousness. I got very angry emails from that person, and that person never returned. Avoid them. We, it's not guarding what kingdom influences will cause division. In the context, Paul is taking aim at what he often calls Judaizers, the people who enforce a certain legal requirement for entrance into the community of God's children. You must be like us. You must look like us. You must act like us. You must accept all the things that we... No. You, 
Here is the point of entrance. You must accept Jesus Christ as your Lord. That's it. What does the Lordship of Jesus influence your life with? How is he affecting you? Some divisions are unfortunately unavoidable if clear doctrinal truth is on the line, but a, but a lot of divisions are over performance, reissues that are not at the heart of our faith. The divisions that are at the heart of our faith are divisions that, that we should divide over are things where, where, where it's like, oh, Jesus' blood wasn't good enough for you. You have to fix yourself first. That's unacceptable. Jesus' blood was good enough for you. And he will transform your very life. He will bring you from death into life. Jesus' blood is good enough. Someone says that we've been rejected fairly recently by other Christians for not being good enough. Not coming near us anymore because we needed deliverance. I started making that my idol, actually. I became obsessed trying to search for deliverance because this group of people insisted that we needed it. I even started holding resentment against one of my children because I let the people lord it over my life instead of continually following Jesus. Can we follow Jesus? The divisions in the church come from when we start to evaluate and say, I'm better than this group that aren't doing it as good as we are. We're not that. We can't be that. Avoid that. For such a person, they don't even serve the Lord, but their own appetites. Here's where we link it to the, to the passage. Here's where we link it to the passage. Paul wants us to avoid those who are self-righteous. It distracts us from what the common enemy is. Look, there are things that are wrong in the world. There are things that are wrong in every single one of us. And he wants to us to avoid self-righteousness, recognizing that we are people who are marred in sin, who are broken within. And your sin might be extremely deep, but God can heal you. God can heal you. God can heal you. Sometimes we think we need to judge others because they're not as good as us. We really like to remove other people's specks while ignoring our own logs. Yes, this whole sermon has been about pride. Paul's addressing when one who's by boasting in works creates obstacles for another and the system's built around pride and lordship, self-lordship. The idea is if I do the certain things, I'm not going to be good enough. And if you do them with me, or if, if I do certain things, I'm going to be good enough. And if you do them with me, then together we're better than them, whoever they are. And we become oppositional. Look, I mentioned the LGBT community. And I said, I'm not going to single them out. I also said that God transforms every single one of us. 
I mentioned, I mentioned that, that we are in denominations. I mentioned ethnicities. I don't single any ethnicity out because one isn't better than another. But Jesus is Lord of all of us. He transforms all of us. We are shaped by how we all work. And we come together and we say, God, have your way in us. This is the prayer. In a world that is so broken and so divided, we're divided on race, we're divided on sexual identities, we're divided on political figures, we're divided in hundreds of different ways. The prayer I have for this community is that we unite around the lordship of Jesus Christ. If there's one thing that we can do, Paul said that there's one thing that I would know about you and that is Christ, or that I've known, and that is Christ and him crucified. I ask for no other uniting point. No other point. I will make no contention except for Christ and him crucified. I'm going to ask you to stand. We did a a discipline of consecration. To be consecrated in front of God means means to let everything else aside. Let the noise drop to the side. To say no to all of the things that divide us and, and, and say no. We will unite around one center, one hope, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. And that is where we stake our claim. And so today I am going to pray for us as a people that we would unite around Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray for us as a people. Keep us humble, God. God, keep us humble. In the face of evil and darkness, keep us humble. Unite us around you and your work. And God, we trust you to transform our lives to be the people that you called us to be. Transform us in Jesus' name. Bring healing where there's hurt. Bring healing where there's hurt, Jesus. This sermon touches on so many points of hurt. Bring healing where there's hurt and help us be a people of healing. In Jesus' name, amen.